And here we go. Let's uh, do the debut. My name is Joe Painter, and it is very good to spend some time with you once again. It's been a while, a little bit of a reprieve, but uh, I'm back to find out what's the story. How many times have you wondered, what's the story? You read certain things, you hear certain things, and, and you're trying to put it together, and, and you want the whole story. And we've often talked about that many, many, many times. Um, the story has many angles. There's more than two sides. There are many, many perspectives. And so often it's hard to find them all. So I am honored to be here on the People Chronicles to delve into the stories a little bit that impact our community here in Berks County. And I'm honored to do that. So for our first edition of What's the Story, I reached out to a gentleman by the name of Dan Clauser. And Dan, I want to thank you very much for taking the time to come in. Thank you, Joe. Thank you for having me. It is it is my pleasure because I couldn't be more excited about not only what you are doing in this community, what you have done, and where it's going. So if we could rewind a little bit. You and I first met, I don't even want to venture, perhaps six months ago, maybe a year. And um, you brought into the studio at that point, Leo Mazzoni. Yep. And... I'm going to be straight up honest here. The guys at the studio were saying, Leo Mazzoni's coming in. I said, Leo who? <laughs> <laughs> so sports challenged is, is the truth. But I, I found out in a very short period of time, you know, one of the uh, top 10 uh, baseball pitching coaches in, in baseball yep. and a true dynamo. Yeah. And what I learned in a very short period of time, meeting you for the first time mm-hmm. and meeting Leo, is you guys think alike. Yeah. You have strong, um, strong feelings about the right way to do things, responsibility, accountability, doing the best that you can. Is that a fair summation? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's all about the kids. Yes. Yes. At the end of the day, it's the only reason we do it. So I'm, I'm taking a lot for granted here and assuming that uh, folks listening right now know what it is we do. So can we rewind a little bit? You started with something called Berkshire Baseball. Yep. Yeah, back in 1989, we uh, started an organization. It was just At that point, it was just a bunch of buddies who wanted to go out and play baseball. <laughs> no, no big deal. You know, an we excuse just, to get out of the yeah, house. Yeah, we were just hanging on to our glory days, you know, if, if they were even glory days mm-hmm. at that point, you know, <laughs> hanging on to whatever days we had. And, uh, you know, so we started an adult baseball team, and we all started to get older. Um, and as we... Uh, you know, got older, we got into coaching mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, we realized, you know what, um, at some point somebody taught us how to play the game the right way, um, how to do things the right way. And we almost felt it was a, uh, um, you know, a requirement for us to then do the same, to pass on knowledge that someone gave to us to someone younger than us. Um, so it's your mission. Yes. Became your mission. Yes. So we, uh, you know, we started some youth programs at that point. We were, you know, right around ten years old at that point as the organization. So in 1999, we started some youth or some some youth teams, and uh, that was our way to give back. Um, and we felt that it was very important to do that and to teach kids how to go about not just the game but life. You know how to mm-hmm. how to live life the right way. Um, you know, and that's one of the things that you know why Leo and I hit it off so well 
is uh, I don't know if you remember him saying is that throughout his career in baseball, professional baseball, he you know he had like four people who you know he really learned how to do things the right way from, and then he said hundreds who he learned how not to do things. <laughs> and both were important, though. Both were important. Yeah. And you know we were kind of the same way, and we didn't want to be one of the ones that a kid said, "Hey, I had this coach, and I what I learned from him is how yep. not to treat people." Um, so we wanted to make sure that we were one of the ones that, you know, 10, 15 years down the road, they're like, you know, coach so-and-so taught me this. Um, so that was important to us. Very, very important to us. So you learned what to do. We all do what to do and what not to do. Yes. And we learned that from our interactions with other people in our life. But you made it, you took your glory days and said, wait a minute, there's a mission here and we need to do more than play. Yes. And, and you not only taught the game of baseball, but in that incorporated all that you learned to do right and what not to do. Correct. And employed that and imparted that with the youth. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, it was, uh, I mean, it was important to us to, to be able to, you know, teach those kids how to, you know, respect their opponent and, um, you know, how to hustle on and off the field, mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. But even more so, the fact that, um, you know, you're a role model, regardless of how old you are. If you're 16, there's a 12-year-old in our organization who looks up to you. If you're 12, there's a 10-year-old in our organization that looks up to you. Um, so you're teaching them how to be mentors as uh, you're mentoring. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, so we kind of take on a, a father figure effect with our players, but we teach our players to take on kind of a big brother role. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, that's that's very important as well, you know, that we create, you know, kind of a band of brothers, kids who yeah. look out for their younger kids. I mean, my, my uh, you know, my older brother would take pride in – you know, beating the tar out of me at will. But if anybody else even thought of laying a hand on me, um, they would have a tough, tough time because um, they'd have to answer to him. So it's kind of, you know, that's anybody who's got a sibling. I mean, that's that's the role. You know, hey, I can call you a jerk. I can call you an idiot. But Don't if he does, do it. Right. You know, we're not going there. <laughs> because we look out for one another. Absolutely. And we also teach each other the right way to do it. You know, it's interesting that you, you talk about that, Dan, because all of our behaviors, or most of them, they're learned. Yep. You know, we learn from our, our older siblings, from our parents, from leaders in the community. And I remember we talked a little bit about um, the, the, the sense of entitlement that so many kids have. And you know what? They learned that from parents and as a parent with two children and watching them come up through t-ball and baseball and softball the community leagues much like you're doing um watching parents on the stands yelling at kids yelling at them so we got into that conversation and leo boy he did not mince words (laughs) knock it off essentially and he shared stories of of moms complaining because their son was on the bench and he didn't ever cave to that he explained why the son was on the bench and how that would be different and if that doesn't work off the field um I, I've seen some posts recently too when I talk about that issue I think it it hits a common chord with almost everybody in the community either you've done it 
or you've seen others that done it or you've tried not to do it. Yeah. Um, it isn't the way to teach. And, and getting on the field isn't always easy, but that's not always the ultimate prize. It's being the best you can be. Is it fair? Yeah, and, and you know, being the best you can be doesn't necessarily mean that you'll get the trophy right. at the end of the right. you know, the end of the tournament or the end of the game or the end of the season. And there's there's nothing wrong with that, you know. And mm-hmm. what, what we try to teach our kids is that, you know, it's how you play the game is mm-hmm. really what matters. And if, if at the end of the game you put out hundred and ten percent and you lost you have nothing to be ashamed of. You have right. no regrets. Right. But if at the end of the game you lost and you go back and play that through your mind, so if I would have hustled a little bit more on this play and, you know, maybe if I would have dove for this fly ball instead mm-hmm. of pulling up on it at the last minute or, you know, if I would have taken a better approach at the plate with two strikes on, um, you know, that's when – losing isn't acceptable at that point you know because you could have done things to correct it um and that's really what we try to to teach our kids is that you know the win and the loss isn't necessarily the you know number one objective it's that at the end of the game win or lose you've left everything on the field so to Mm -hmm. speak and and that's really how you should go about life as well i mean that doesn't stop on the baseball field i mean if you're you know once you get up up in age and you reflect back um you know there's a lot of people have a lot of regrets when they're 70 75 years old and they look back on their life and you know i think that's something you should try to eliminate that when you look back and you reflect you say you know what maybe maybe i didn't end my life with a million dollars in the bank or Mm -hmm. whatever the case is but there's not a whole lot i'd do differently I think it's kind of important for people to take that approach at life. If they, you know, at the end of the day, they look back and they don't have a lot of regrets. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think that should be a goal for a lot of people, not sit and say, well, you know, if I would have, if I would have done this, if I would have, you know, taken this job instead of that job or, or whatever. Um, and I mean, I don't know that it's realistic to have no regrets at the end of your life, but I think you can minimize them along the way. Absolutely. For sure. It was to keep your eye on the ball. I think you tell the kids that at the plate, keep your eye on the ball. Yep. So you're defining the ball as, as uh, it has strong parallels to life in general, not just that ball coming from the pitcher's mound across the plate. And you want to keep your eye on what is important. I, I believe Correct me if I'm wrong. I could be wrong, Dan. I think you did or maybe do continue to do some coaching clinics to help coaches deal with that parent who's kind of in the face. And, you know, to the parent's credit, I mean, without being judgmental, uh, we all do what we think is in the best interest for our kids. And so unwittingly... um, that parent could be hurting the child. The child could be cringing, going, you know, mom, please, (laughs) I'll go to the bench. Don't worry. So you have clinics to help coaches deal with those issues as well. That's why Leo was here with us back in January was because he was speaking at one of our coaches clinics. And, you know, again, one of the things, I mean, not only did he um, talk about how to get kids to pitch to their fullest extent and, you know, Mm -hmm. the throwing programs that he had his big leaguers on, but he also spoke a lot about how to teach them to, you know, reach back and be, you know, 
everything that they can be. Yes. Um, so there, there's a there's definitely a you know psychological factor that comes into play, and I think Leo said that day in the studio. You know, he's he you know he's got a psychology degree, but there's no you know <laughs> no sheet of paper to, to show it. So <laughs> his actions um, back it up, and that's yeah, more important and, than anything. Yep, yeah, and you have to figure out. You know, there's some kids who you can be a little harder on them, mm-hmm. and they respond, and then there's some mm-hmm. kids you got to handle with you know with kid gloves and. Um, you know, you, you as a coach have to figure that out. And, you know, you've got, um, you know, 12, 15, 18 different personalities and they all have to be dealt with differently. And you, you've got to figure that out as a coach, how, how to get this kid to respond because he's going to respond differently than what this other kid responds. And Leo talked a lot about that, um, during the coaches clinic as well. Coaching's hard work. It is. It's, a great deal of dedication. This is actually, as I'm listening to this, uh, fortitude keeps coming to my mind because there's a great deal of fortitude in the organization, and fortitude by definition is hard work. Yes, that's it is. what that is. Yes, a and, lot of blood, sweat, and tears. Yes, <laughs> and, and you, you have it going on there. And those clinics, if I'm not mistaken, aren't just for um, coaches who work with. Uh, the Big Vision Foundation. I, I, I jumped there, but I, I want to. We started talking about uh, Berkshire Baseball, which is now Big Vision. It isn't just for that organization and your coaches, but for um, scholastic coaches and yep. community coaches. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it, anyone who coaches can come to those clinics when we hold them. And uh, again, that's part of what we feel is part of our mission is mm-hmm. you know not just to make those who are involved in our organization better and develop better leaders but really to help anybody who wants to be helped you know to to become better at what they're doing whether it's you know coaching or playing or something else so um you know as much as we we do again have kind of this brotherhood within the organization i mean we're you know open-minded enough to realize that you know it's not just about us we want you know we want other organizations to be able to to flourish and you know be successful as well so um that's real real important to us to just you know again focus on you know part of our rebranding you know with big big vision was to focus on everything to focus not on just what was happening in our little you know neck of the woods so to speak but to you know try to make a bigger difference and a bigger impact in the community You've certainly done that using that exponential factor, reaching yes. out. What can I do? Reaching out on individual bases, and, and then in turn, everybody takes that what they learn and help others to grow. Yeah. The, um, the ripple effect is, is, is endless. It really is. John Paul too. You have done. I mean, that brought tears to my eyes. Yeah. I, I, you know, you had the, the kids at John Paul too. They they've come out yep. to the field, and when I say come out, we're talking about the uh, Brooks County Youth Rec. Creation facility, which is, it's not necessarily renamed just yet, right? Not yeah, and it, it won't be renamed. Okay, we, we have no plans to actually rename the facility. So it's the Berks County Youth Recreation Facility, and it's in Burn Township. It's mm-hmm. a huge and lovely facility, thanks to you and all of your vision, and all of the partners who've joined you in that vision. Um, but you brought John Paul two kids out to the fields, and they yep. played baseball, did they not? Yep, they uh, and they're they're a blast. Um, we've had them out three times now we generally will have them out in the spring and in the fall mm-hmm. so we're only a couple months away from their their next trip out um and uh i mean they're they're a blast i mean they they break down um you know the true meaning of what baseball is you know and just 
a couple hours when I'm out there hitting a ball and catching and throwing. Um, this past year, we had them actually all sign the back of our Green Monster scoreboard. Did you? Um, and they were just absolutely thrilled. And, you know, you you sit there and, you know, you think you're helping them, but it's mm. really the other way around. You experience the get back absolutely. when you give, when your intention is to give. Yep, Take absolutely. me back to the day the kids showed up or they were showing up and there were no gloves. Um, yeah, was, uh, <laughs> a little problem. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was funny. It was the second time we had him out. The first time that we had him out, we uh, um, we supplied them with gloves that were part of our world equipment outreach. So we uh, we gave them those, and then till they came out in the fall, the gloves that we had let them use, we'd actually ended up shipping um, to where overseas. Why? Um, uh, it's it's like I said, our World Equipment Outreach Program is a, a program that we do where we collect used baseball and softball equipment and ship it. Um, we we partner with a couple other organizations. National Alliance of Youth Sports has a global gear drive, um, so sometimes we'll ship stuff to them for them to distribute throughout the world. Um, there's another organization actually just over in Harleysville called Pitch In for Baseball. Um, sometimes we'll ship it to them and then they distribute it. Um, we actually ship stuff directly. Um, to the Dominican Republic and to uh, Honduras. So again, um, reaching out, and now their gloves are gone. Yep. What did you do? Um, we uh, we ended up uh, making uh, an urgent phone call over to the Rawlings Outlet. Um, we've uh, we've done a lot with them over the years, and uh, have a great relationship with uh, the manager over there. And um, he uh, he made arrangements to get us gloves over to the facility and. You know, we didn't know for sure how many right-handed gloves we needed, how many left-handed gloves we needed. Um, so he was able to just bring over more gloves than we actually needed, knowing that we'd take back what we didn't use, and then we'd buy what we did use. So we uh, we lined them up um, before the you know we were getting ready to start. And I said, okay, everybody, you got, let's grab your gloves. Let's go out in the field. And they all just kind of looked at me kind of dumbfounded, like, um, uh-oh, we don't, we don't have gloves. Yeah. You know? And... Uh, myself and one of our other employees al um you know we looked at him we're like well come on guys what do you mean you don't have gloves we can't we can't play baseball without a glove right and uh, one of our 12 year old players was there and we're like you know so we kind of went back and forth me and al about uh what are we going to do without gloves you know we never played without gloves um and then uh, we had ethan our our 12 year old uh, player that was helping us out you know say hey coach dan you know we got a table full of gloves over there remember and I'm like, oh, you know what? That's right. Good job, Ethan. You know, I said, uh, here's the deal, guys. We have some gloves for you. Um, I'm going to take you over, get you fitted with the one that fits. But the deal is, when you come back next spring, um, you got to have your glove with you. You know, you have to bring your own glove. And uh, they, you, you'd have thought so they had a glove. You, you'd have thought we were writing them a check for a million dollars a piece. I mean, it was it was amazing as, as we were fitting them up with the gloves and the, the smiles on their face, just ear to ear. And you know, now a, a simple thing, you know, like a glove of their own, was just you know made their days. You know, they had something that was now theirs. And so that that story right there is the epitome 
of what this organization is about. And I think it, it certainly draws the conclusion that you make when you say it's not just baseball, it's life. Right. And that's what you're teaching. A little bit of the story of Berkshire Baseball, how that started, and then and then it grew into a wonderful thing called Big Vision. This is the end of the beginning of the story of Big Vision. And please stick around. The most important part of the Big Vision Foundation and where it's going next is coming up next. <laughs> 